0: You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grapier, and today's episode is with Verite. It feels strange to call Verite a local musician, but she technically is. And I say that with all the respect in the world, because her music transcends any locational context. At least up until now. The new songs she's released ahead of her upcoming second album, New Skin, weirdly make me think of New York. They make me think of those days where you're walking around the city confused by conversations with people that you care about and those moments of daydreaming that you're elsewhere while also dealing with the fact that these tall buildings are endlessly surrounding you. I don't think you need to be in New York to relate to the songs that Kelsey has released, but... Yeah, it does make me think about those things, and I'm keen to see how people react to this. The album comes out on October 25th, and it definitely sounds like it's going to be a standout of the year, especially if these new songs are an indicator. This marks Kelsey's second time on the podcast, but it's the first time that we're having a recorded chat on a one-on-one basis. Within this episode, we delve into the experiences that came from releasing and touring her debut album, what it was like for her to make these new songs, and how she envisions her art evolving from there. This is the 405 Exchange with Verite. Enjoy. Yeah, I lose
1: myself in you cause I need someone like more, with me more.
0: In your teeth, oh, it's really great to have the chance to chat with you guys. I think the last time we talked, it was when you were on with uh, Nicole Major, our good friend.
1: Yeah. yeah. Were, was I on tour then?
0: I think you were in between, weirdly. Or you were just gearing up.
1: Yeah, one or the other. Honestly, my memory is completely shot. <laughs> time is not my friend.
0: Um... But it's good to, one of the things I've been really keen on talking to you about is that we haven't really had a chance to talk much since, not only since you released that album, but also got to tour it, like your debut album somewhere in between. And you know, you've toured loads before then, but it's still a big thing to actually tour for an album. What was that like for you, getting to do that and then come off it?
1: It's really interesting because I think, you know, I I have imposter syndrome a lot of the times, and so it's that was the first moment that headline tour specifically where I realized, Oh, I can see what I'm building. Like, it's not a number online. It's not a figment of my imagination. It's like this collective experience that literally shows human bodies in a room who took time out of their life to kind of come see you play something you wrote. Um, and so I think for me, it definitely squashed some of that um, fear that it, what I was building wasn't real or tangible.
0: Yeah, and what's really amazing is that for as long as I've known you, you've only ever been doing that, really, just building and just like focusing on like honing things in and building on top of that. So the fact you got to experience that within that context is really amazing.
1: It's yeah, it felt really good, but on the flip side, I'm still building it's you know It's like a really short respite and the respite is great And then all of a sudden it's like all right, how do we? Continue to build and continue to move forward and I think what I realized now kind of being two years away from somewhere in between about to release the second record is that this is literally pushing a boulder up a hill, that there's no point at which it becomes, um, I guess, enough in a way. It's like there's always going to be room to grow, and so I'm trying to take these steps back to enjoy the process instead of just, like, die (laughs) as I do
0: it. Well, tell me this. Um, Like, just going backwards even a little bit, even more, like... When you came off touring for Somewhere In Between, where do you feel you were creatively? Like, how were you feeling? What were you thinking about? Did it even feel different coming off touring for that than I had off the previous tours you've been on?
1: Yeah, I think when I was done touring Somewhere In Between, I was dead. Like, I was mentally dead. I was completely burnt out. Because that was the end of, like, if we look at the larger cycle, it was the three EPs and the record. Yeah. Right? And for all of that time, I was always ahead. It was like, I finished EP1, I was done. EP2 was coming out and we rolled and I think it was the first time where I wasn't ahead. It was like, not that I was behind, I just had no new material yeah. to work with and I think it was a really scary place and it was really overwhelming and I was also completely burnt out so like I couldn't even think straight, you know? And so much had changed, you know, in my life and career in releasing that record. And so, yeah, it was a weird place to be in.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like you navigated that? I mean, did the navigating out of that weirdness and scariness, was that innately from making the second record of yours, which is called New Skin Mode, Out? Or or was it kind of just living life uh, outside of, you know, doing creative things?
1: Um, Both. I took. I'm like trying to think. Timeline is always a really weird. Yeah. Thing. I. I released new skin, in like June, and then I finished touring like November, and I took December. Like I took a little time off. I think I took, maybe probably just a month off completely, <laughs> and then. I started doing sessions and I started putting myself back in the grind pretty quickly. Yeah. I was miserable, but I did it. And I think what happened is like one day something clicked and then one day another thing clicked and slowly but surely like what felt like a very hopeless process. Cause it did feel fucking hopeless. <laughs> like it did. It felt like I was at the bottom of a mountain and I was like, I have nothing to say. I feel nothing, um, and I, you know, I think things just slowly started to click once I forced myself out the door.
0: Wow. Um, that's so interesting. I mean, do you feel like within that context with the sessions, that they particularly in themselves feel different than anything I've done before? Like, was that kind of where a difference was coming from?
1: I hate sessions. Um. <laughs> do you? I really, really, really do. Um. Not that I hate people, it's that I just have a hard time finding collaborators that I can really open up to and I think you need that sense of openness to really be productive at least for my project and the type of music that I'm writing and so it just takes me a while to click with people in that way and I think what happened was I went to Nashville on a writing trip and I did five days of sessions but the only one that mattered was the first one and I met um, Maddie Diaz and Conrad Snyder who I did a lot of the record with like almost half of it oh. um, and it was just a moment you know where where I left that day in that circumstance and I was like oh those people feel like friends and we wrote gone And we basically wrote and produced Gone in a 13-hour session. We went super late. We took a fuck ton of mushrooms. Like It was a a whole thing. um, You know, with strangers, essentially. And I just think it worked. You know? And it felt different. And the song feels different. And it kind of... And also, the level of respect in that room was also different. I think that what people don't realize is when you do sessions, a lot of the times as the female artist in the room, you're cast kind of in the couch on the back. You're writing lyrics and melodies. Like that's your place in the room and everyone's always looking for a fucking hit and everyone's always (laughs) looking for, I don't even know what the fuck people are looking for. Like I always just feel like I'm looking for something different. Like I'm Mm -hmm. looking for a feeling. I don't care what it sounds like. Like, I'm looking for something that feels weighted. Um, And, like, that's what I got in Nashville. Um, At least with Maddie and Conrad. And enough that, like, you know, those two people are really good friends of mine. And we've written a lot together.
0: Yeah. I had a bit of a sense of laughter in my head just imagining you, trying to imagine you in the background of anything and, like, not steering a ship. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like that type of scenario wouldn't well, work for you at all.
1: It's not that it doesn't work, you know. I think I think that's like conditioning at its best. Oh. You know, it's like this idea of like the man takes this role and the woman takes this role, and like you don't want to think that you're um, beholden to that dynamic, yeah. right? Because you want to think that. I don't know, your level of social awareness and intellect and all of these things can make you overcome it, yet it's a circumstance I found myself in so many times, or just, like, even with men in general, and it's like, oh, fuck, like, it got me again, and I let it, in a way, because it's uncomfortable breaking that boundary sometimes, and sometimes the person on the other end doesn't want you to break it. Yeah. Right? Because this is their space and their setup. And so it's also, you know, which inherently isn't wrong. Like, that's not even a male female thing. Some people just have their setup and that's what they want and they don't want anyone touching it. Yeah. You know, but I think for me, the idea that, you know, Gone started as a song because I hit, Conrad had one of the Mellotron synths and I found a patch and I just hit a note and it was an A. Flat oh, fuck. I fuck, I know what key that song is. Anyway <laughs> it's either an A or an A flat. Uh-huh. Um and it was like this mandolin sample in an imperfect time and it the response was cool, let's track it in. Yeah. Right? And that's the theme of that process. It's like, cool, oh we like that, let's put it in. We like that, let's put it in. And we've had experiences where we've put too many things in and we have to take everything out (laughs) but the idea is all ideas are welcome and like i'm a musician that plays instruments and maddie is a musician that plays instruments and so we all co-produced the song and built it up together you know and that i think was a different experience and it was really important
0: tell me was there a comfort because like Gone is one of the songs I was really kind of asking you about because one of the things that stood out to me a lot is how it feels more organic than almost anything I've ever done before and it has, like, this quite rustic feel, yet there is, like, this beat that's still driving it in. Was that, like... Do you remember what those conversations were like when it came to working on the Gone?
1: Yeah, um... I do. It's weird how everything, like, just fell into place with that. I think, if anything, the rhythm that you are talking about came after.
0: Really? Like
1: that was the one contribution um, that Zach Nisita made to that production. He came actually came to Nashville and played drums on it. Zach, I've worked with forever, he produced the cover. Somebody else he did most of Somewhere In Between, he did Colors on the second EP. Wherever, yeah. wherever colors <laughs> exist, he produced it. I don't remember what EP that's on. Um, you know, and so, but we did, like, we had this very organic, heavy, you know, everything played in production. And I think I wanted Zach to come in and play drums, because Zach's primarily, you know, a drummer. That's his first instrument, and tighten it a little bit. Yeah. Which was kind of an attempt to be like, cool, this thing is beautiful and perfect, but I also want it to be able to sit next to somewhere in between. You know, it doesn't have to look just like it or sound just like it, but I want it to be able to feel like it's by the same person. Um, And also I just like that kind of bouncy driving rhythm that like, I think sometimes when you have a tighter rhythm, it just things move in a better way for me.
0: Yeah, you know what's really amazing about the way you're talking is that, like, you've never been, like, really shy of, like, collaborating and working for other people, but I feel like with the way you're talking, there's, like, this direct awareness to the fact that the positive aspect of, like, doing sessions and working for other people is that other people have ideas that you can never come up with. And it seems that you're really, like, enjoying that aspect with, like, the creative process.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where For me, it's hard to motivate myself. I bore myself. Um, (laughs) I really do. I am not. That's shocking to hear. I bore myself so fucking much. And so being in the room with other people, it's like stimulating to me. And it almost just forces me to like follow through. Um, And I think you do it for the magic moments. Like that's why you do it. And then when you have a magic moment with someone, sometimes I have sessions where you have magic moments where like, You do the session, you write the song, the song's great, and then you never do a session or talk to that person again, and it's this weird, impersonal thing, Yeah. Um, but it was just the right thing that happened in the right time, and I've had so many of those, then every once in a while you have a session, you know, like I did the first time that, you know, Zach and I did a session, or the first time Maddie and Conrad and I did a session, or um, Jason Wu... um, whose producer name is Rabbit, he, like, me, him and I did a few sessions, and it's just like, and you fall in love with the people, and yeah. you want to go and spend time with them as much as you want to go and create the thing that you're creating, and I think that's the goal.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, going into Beautiful Moments, I was really keen to getting the chance to ask you about um, the video because it's stunning, and I really love how it was shot, um, and the video was directed by Charlie Manton, and... Um, mm-hmm. I wonder like how much does the finished video match what you and charlie had envisioned for it
1: um gone music video right
0: yeah
1: i mean that video we nailed it's exactly what we thought it was going to be that's amazing yeah. um and i love charlie i hate music videos i love charlie um
0: are, are you gonna go on an anti-music video on you can you totally can't.
1: It's not that I'm anti-music video. I just don't think it's the most effective artistic medium anymore. I think it's antiquated, and I think that people sink tens of hundreds of thousands of dollars into music videos that don't necessarily move the needle on anything anymore, unless you're really, you know, putting so much, so much money into them. Um, and so for me, it's like not... Like the live show is my preferred medium, you know, like I think everyone has theirs, but I understand their value and, you know, I have Charlie direct my music videos for a reason. Like he's brilliant. And I think that every time we shoot together, he has a way of like capturing things where I can fully trust that we're going to get something that like fits the song and is usable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Cause that's the big difference isn't it
1: oh my god the <laughs> amount of music videos i fucking scrapped <laughs> the amount of money i've wasted
0: that's amazing to hear that it turned out as well as if, p- if there's people listening that haven't checked that video i would highly recommend it and it might even change your mind on music videos if you feel the same way <laughs> that she does i love the movie. gone music video i'm not <laughs> shitting
1: on it i just think it's an antiquated
0: i can understand thing. um I want to ask you about my new favorite song by you, because up until this point, I would have easily said uh, Face Me Out is uh, my favorite Verite song, and now I could probably say that's Ocean. Um, I really love this song. Thank you. It's a really great song, and um, it really is one of those songs that I feel like I heard, and I was like, I always knew she had it in her to make this type of song, and you did it. Um, Can you describe what the mood was like in the room while you were working on it?
1: Yeah, I didn't actually know that I liked Ocean while I was writing it, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally Um,
0: does. For me, as someone who talks to artists a lot, I hear that quite a bit.
1: But, um, I was talking about Rabbit before. Um, it's just so funny to call him Rabbit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but I will use his official producer name. Um, but the first session I did with him, we wrote a song called Fever, which has not been finished, but will be finished soon, um, just didn't fit on the record, uh, and it, I don't know, I just love him, I do, it's, again, it's one of those things where, like, he's such a good vibe, and we call each other trash a lot, (laughs) you know, it's like, he'll literally just send me a picture of a garbage can, um, But it's, I don't know, we just have a thing and it works. And what's funny about our writing relationship is like, he's a really great pop producer, right? And he does like slightly, slightly off-center productions, but like his productions are too slick for what I was trying to do with this record. Yeah. Um, And so, I kind of gathered that with Fever, but he was really open to collaborating. And so when we did Ocean, it was just him, which, funny, exactly what I said before about um, dude being at production station and woman being on couch. That's actually our writing dynamic. Um, (laughs) But it's not with that energy. Um, It's just what kind of feels natural in that moment. And so he builds the soundscapes and his production is, like, poppy and his intuition is pop, which is great because it forces me to write differently. Yeah. um, To kind of match that. And so Ocean, I mean, it was pure stream of consciousness out on the thing. Um, Like, I, I just have, like, a memory of me sitting on the couch writing it. And I think what happened was I realized that the reason I didn't like the song was because the production was too perfect. Um, I feel like when you say like someone's production isn't right, it can sound like you're like stabbing them. Yeah. But it's not that. You know what I mean? It's not like an undercut to someone's talent or abilities or whatever. It's more so a testament to like I just know what the fuck I want and I know the quickest best path to get there. Yeah. Um, and so I took the song and the acapella, and I gave it to Zach, and I gave him a day. And I was like, do whatever you want. I don't care, reharmonize it, do whatever it is that you think needs doing. And he came up, he put that beat underneath the song, uh, which was completely different from where it was. And I was like, okay, great. So he basically added 10 things, And I said, great, I love these five. And then I love these five things from the original, which was the harmony. Um, And like that synth sound in the beginning was from the original. And so kind of bringing those elements back in. And then Zach and I just had fun with it. I mean, like those background vocals are just me yelling into (laughs) like all of the drum mics in the room while sitting on the drums He <laughs> added zach's really um good at playing the bottles
0: the bottles really yeah so like with a spoon
1: no with the drumstick so he had like a bottle on the on the tom and a bottle on the snare and he was playing them back and forth oh. um so yeah zach and i kind of finished that production off but it was a yeah it it's one of my favorites
0: too yeah, that's a beautiful one um Goodford is another new arm, and that one is really like a fucking earworm. Um,
1: <laughs> thank you. You're
0: welcome. What I love about this one is how it can hit you listening to it either on in your bedroom or on the dance floor. And it's kind of funny, like it's one thing to say that, but to actually like distill that type of dynamic, there's something special there. Um was this a challenging one to make? To have that kind of straddling where someone can listen to it oh. in such an introspective way, but also in like such a, you know, outward Kind of motion, like dance to it, so.
1: Yes and no. I think Good for It was hard because I'm not good at being simple. <laughs> you know, I think I just have a lot of ideas and I want to sing you all my melodies and look, I can sing. Um, but I think that Good for It was a very clear like anchor for the record and yep. like moment of relief from like all of the things that are happening. Um and so that was really important, but it was kind of like an easy one to make and an easy one to finish production on. I mean I say that but again <laughs> it's, it's like I guess it did take a few rounds at the end. We it was it was hard figuring out the post chorus of like what what was the thing that was gonna go there.
0: Yeah.
1: And Zach um put in those guitars like, da, 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 and that and once that happened I was like oh, okay
0: we have everything figured yeah. out we have a song yeah and uh you know this one also has a great video by Charlie Manton again um it's quite a head fuck like there, <laughs> there's like a bit where there's like this uh dude who's continuously kind of running outside I think has like headphones or something or a remote in his hand and like yeah that that like something about that image kind of stuck with me after watching the video but it's a great video thank you uh, do, do, you, do you enjoy working on that one? At least I enjoyed
1: it just as much as any other video. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I like music videos. Uh, <laughs> and Charlie is brilliant. Um, no, good for it. I just wanted something simple. And the dude is my favorite part of it as well. Also yeah. the old dude dancing. Um, but yeah, I th- just like the idea of like the record is a cycle that keeps repeating and that music video is a cycle that keeps repeating and i love that the guy doesn't go anywhere you know it's like he's trying so hard and i think even in both of those relationships that are kind of depicted neither of them really go anywhere either
0: that's very true you
1: know and it's just this idea of, like, what it's like living in the same cycle, maybe having a slightly different experience in each one.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so it's subtle.
0: Yeah, it's a good bit of subtle like Did he pitch that idea to you or did you pitch it to him? At least the idea of the video. Mm-hmm. As well.
1: I feel like with Charlie and I, it's like, I'll give a seed of an idea, he'll give me, like, a little plant, then I'll give him a tree. <laughs> and then he'll give me like a forest you know so it's very much back and forth of just like figuring out what we want
0: that's mega um going to the album as a whole well, i have a couple more questions for you thanks for you know find the time to chat oh my pleasure yeah it's always good getting to talk to you um you know going into the album as a whole i feel like the four songs you've released so far as well as a fifth you released just like last week that mm-hmm. of last week i feel like what's been clear from these songs is that you're writing from a much more direct place but it doesn't feel like the songs are like Um, vague or like that they're grandstanding anyway, like people are still able to insert themselves within them. Um, And it's clear that all these songs are associated with real feelings, and it kind of ties back to what you were saying before earlier in the talk about like how you care about that more than anything else. Do you feel that's the case with the album as a whole? I mean, we've only heard a couple songs now, but when you think about all the songs together, do you think they all correlate to like direct feelings, a human sense of human emotion?
1: I mean, yeah. And the beauty is, it comes out so soon. It comes out Friday. Yeah. It's like
0: most likely this talk will be coming out on Friday as well. But it's but it
1: is. It's like then you get the whole picture. It's like I've been living with the whole picture for fucking years. Um, <laughs> you know, which is a good or bad thing. But I think that like yeah, the record the record is about existing in the middle. Of something you know and I think while I was writing it it really felt like a record about love right and like this idea of you know that that love is a cycle that you go through that doesn't necessarily have to result in an end but regardless I mean you're in a relationship maybe you can like identify with this but you know You still go through all of the feelings of excitement to like losing yourself in someone to apathy, to boredom, to anger, to like resentment, to like, fuck, I'm going to leave you. Um, And then you kind of forget about it all by amnesia, the last track. Yeah. And then you just do it again. Right. And it's like you exist in this cycle and you can't see the beginning and you can't see the end. And I think that like I thought I was writing about that and then I kind of zoomed out a little bit and I was like Well, that's how it really feels in my life in general yeah. Right, especially in my career. It's like I'm five years into a project I can't see like the, the light at the beginning of the tunnel. I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel um, You know, I'm not failing But like I'm not at the point Where it's like, oh, we're hearing about my demise or my triumphant (laughs) success, which is like, you know, the next sexy talking point, you know, after new hot projects, (laughs) you know. And so just this idea of like, how do you reconcile that cycle and all of those things without, you know, having to leave someone and without having to like give up on something.
0: Yeah. Because that's the really strange thing. It's like once you recognize something as a cycle, I I think instinctively as a human being, you find yourself thinking like, oh, I shall break this cycle. But then there's like a moment where you're like, wait a second, what? There's actually things I like about this. And you're right. It even goes beyond relationships. Because while you're talking, I've been thinking, because I freelance doing like video design photo and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And uh, a lot, like the last six years or so, I'll end up working at a place for like maybe six to eight months and off to the next thing. That's one of those things where there's a cycle that comes with that in terms of, like, you know, getting acclimated and talking to different people. Kind of having variants of the same types of conversations. But, yeah, it's a weird type of thing. Realizing that innately as part of human existence, there's cycles kind of yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I think what hit me is... I don't know where, when the overall meaning for the record came into play as well it's just like you just write and then you just make shit up as you go yeah. you know I, like i thought i was writing about x i thought i was writing about y whatever but i hit this point where i was like you know i've been with the same person now for almost five years and it was like in a very low point of that where i was just like i don't want this like this is like this isn't like fucking exciting, this isn't X, this isn't, like, this doesn't feel, like, fulfilling in a way, and then I, like, really took a step back, and I was like, well, I would at this point with anyone, like, this is just a point that you hit, Yeah. and it's a problem if it stays like that, but it never really does, you know, at least for me, and it's, like, usually in those moments, it's really probably representative of like me feeling stuck (laughs) and less so me hating the person that I'm with and feeling like they're stuck. Um, But just that idea of like, you, you know, I've made a commitment to this thing. Doesn't mean it'll last forever, but like I made a commitment and because I've made the commitment, I've gotten to see the cycle through like multiple times. Like maybe like it's a yearly cycle and I've been through it five fucking times but it's the same with the career it's just like, you have the ups you have the downs, you're attached you're detached, it's good it's bad, right? I'm creative, I suck (laughs) you know
0: it's really amazing you've been able to really, like, I mean, it's it's not I don't want to just say self-awareness because I feel like that's too simple, but to just kind of have that innate matter of uh, perspective like I said, it's a proactive perspective that's really, like, a really powerful thing
1: Thanks. It's just because I'm so smart.
0: Um, (laughs) Are you? (laughs) Yes. No,
1: honestly, honestly, it's a blessing and a curse how my mind works. Because I constantly have the ability to zoom out and in. And, like, it's a good thing because I am really practical and, like, level. And I can see all sides. Um, Like, I'm really good at arguing (laughs) and (laughs) debating. Um which I feel like is necessary for even the times we're in, but it also means I hyper and overanalyze everything and I have a hard time existing in a moment because I'm just like constantly, you know, zoomed so far out looking at every aspect of what's going on at all times.
0: Yeah. Well, that's really something else. And it hit me while you were saying that, by the way, that I actually do remember the last time we saw each other, it wasn't only with uh that chat with nicole but um you did this really amazing show at national Sawdust. oh yeah yeah with us uh, the strings yeah the yeah. strings accompanying your music and i mean we chatted a little bit afterwards but we didn't really talk about the experience itself it's kind of general chatting but it's like what was it like for you to experience that to have not just like your songs being accompanied by strings but knowing that that could work
1: um, you know, I'm really grateful to Christine Cruda, who did those arrangements and she's really just brilliant, she's really brilliant, um, and brought the, those songs to life in a way that like I couldn't have imagined, but I'm also really grateful for that experience because again, it's like, I did that show in that dead period where I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I should be doing something, um, you know? And so I think that that came together and like gave me a glimpse of like, Oh, I can still be creative and I can still push the boundaries. And, uh, you know, I think even the inspiration of wanting things more live and human versus programmed and computer, um,
0: had an impact. Yeah, and do you, and you know before I let you go, this gonna be the last question. But um, you know where you mentioned how the, like the live show is more your thing, and you kind of insinuating it that there with like the end of that question. Um, one of the things that's been great with the whole career has been that evolution because, like, I've been really fortunate to describe what your live show is to someone, and just like it hit me that over the course of the last like four years I've known you, it's been different each time. Like, there's been different dynamics and different words I would associate with the live show. And, yeah, that just makes me wonder, with the current live show that you have now, they're going to be, you know, unveiling on Friday. Like, what's different about it, and how do you feel about it?
1: I feel like... Good question. I am a different human, and will be a different person. Because I've gotten to play it twice. I opened for Panagram not too long ago which was great. And then I did a small showcase. So this is like the, these are the first official like shows, yeah. but it's like the setup isn't that much different this time. I'm really grateful. I've been working with the same uh, music director, Grant Subritsky for years now. I was one of the first things he MD'd and like he was definitely my first MD. And he... I don't know again it's like going back to people who you can truly be uh, collaborative with yeah. um, he is just the best and he kind of pushes it with me and we figure out what sounds good and he takes all of my ideas and he makes them better <laughs> um, and he's just like in the room obviously he killed set up all the tech but he's the sounding board listening to stuff as we play it and then he's like you have to change right because like I'll never get the perspective of the listener okay. and so he's that perspective but I feel like I'm just way more confident and I also just don't give a fuck anymore <laughs> you know and I think that's a beautiful thing I really fucking don't care um, <laughs> and I care and, and like that sounds like flippant but it, it's like I don't know I just feel like it's all too short to like be too serious and down and it's just like i want to enjoy the live set and i want to share the music and people will like it or they won't and if they do they'll come back and like i'm really like we sold the shot in like a day
0: yeah
1: you know which is a great feeling for starting something you know
0: and we should add with it being New York City and Baby's All Right and you being based there, that show is super sold out for a fact.
1: Yeah, I can like barely get my friends on the list. <laughs> it's like at that point where where my manager sent me like a, a priority list and a, um, a non priority list. And the <laughs> only people who are priority are like my boyfriend and my parents. <laughs> so hopefully I can have friends.
0: That's amazing, thank you so much for a chat today. for sure really oh, It's
1: literally my pleasure. Straight till you consume me and leave an empty space like I don't exist. If you don't witness it, oh yeah, I lose myself in you because I need someone to stay.